Hello and welcome to the podcast for episode 209. Je suis priest. Is that how you pronounce this? You know, I, there's you the modern way. I think it's je suis priest. Je suis priest? I think. I, like, I'm sure uh, Guillaume, our French uh, coach, was here. He would correct both of us. Je suis pressed or something. <laughs> anyway, I'm Ronald D. Moore, executive producer and developer of the uh, Outlander uh, television series, and I'm happy to be joined by the writer of this particular episode, Matt Roberts. Hello, everyone. Well, this was the really the beginning of, the, of our war story in, uh, here in season two. I think it was always going to be the beginning of the war story, right? This in the There we go. Okay. It's still a little... Yeah. We had a little technical issue. It's, it's two knuckleheads trying to figure out volume yeah. levels. So too, many, too many knobs and toggles. But what do you want? We're still in the main title, so it did take that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, the beginning of the, of the Jacobite Rebellion is really in this episode. Yeah, this is, uh, this is where they actually get down to the, the training of the men. And um, uh, we kind of see Jamie becoming... Uh, we've talked about it a lot, but the leader of men. And we wanted to, I know we talked about it in the room a lot, we wanted to actually show it instead of talk about it. Now, structurally, I don't think we ever talked about doing, like, the Battle of Falkirk. We, when we were sitting, setting up the season, didn't we kind of zero in quickly on, we said we'll do Prestapans and yeah. uh, the beginning of Culloden, but basically we weren't going to do any of the other sort of skirmishes and battles, right? No, we, we had to... Uh, <clears throat> Pun intended, we had to pick our battles yeah. because uh, to create just a, a skirmish is two or three day event, uh, yeah. filming wise. So we, we had to, since we went all out in the next episode, um, we had to kind of find a way of doing battles without doing battles, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, people always talk about why is there so much more action in films than there is in television? Why can't you have a really action-packed TV show? It's mostly time. It's not even so much money. I mean, for money equals time, but TV shows have to be shot much, much faster than feature films. And we just don't have the time to spend... I mean, they would take days just to shoot, like, you know, one stunt on yes. a feature schedule. And we, uh, <clears throat> during the block, so 209 and 210 were filmed at the same time. And very rarely do we film chronologically, but this was a block where we filmed 209 almost completely out, and then we moved into 210 because of so many, so much of the battle sequences. Um, uh, but we used many of the same extras here as we did in the next episode. Now, what is this location? Because this is the we used one location pretty much for this whole show. We did. We went out to. Um, <coughs> Uh, very rarely in, in the dialogue do we use actual location, but this was filmed just outside Kreef, and we say in dialogue that they're going to Kreef. We found a farm that had these uh, outbuildings um, and with two big fields right next to them. And uh, it was so we could set up the training right next, you know, next to the outbuildings. And the idea was to go inside and outside as the weather permitted. Um, believe it or not, though, on, the, on this particular uh, seven-day stretch or eight days that we were there, um, it, it didn't rain very much. We had sunshine. It was, yeah, it was, yeah uh, very rare for us. But 
as you could see as you're going through these uh, outbuildings there was just enough to house our main players and then we can tent up uh, the the fields to give give the appearance that there are 150 guys out there and there you go there's the sunshine <laughs> Oh, and the, the scotch today is uh, Glenn Fittick, uh, 18. 18, cheers. Salancha. Oh, very smooth. Oh, that's nice. Welcome back to the boys. There are the boys. Now it's Outlander. Yes. <clears throat> and even Claire says it. It really is a sense of homecoming to, to the first season. I mean, it's just so, you know, when Colm and Lyra showed up in 208, it definitely felt like, oh, yeah, we're back. We're back to that storyline. But you were missing these guys. Yeah. You were missing the knuckleheads and, and then Dougal. We, we had a little uh, bump in the road here. Uh, Willie, who was with us for much of the first season, he endeared himself to Claire and Jamie, um, the actor that played Willie, who we will not speak of. Uh, left us, so we had to find a way of finishing his story, yes. so to speak. Yes, that was not a that was not a happy time. It was. <clears throat> I love that little throwaway line. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the early story of this episode. I don't think it's radically different from this. We always said this was going to be the training episode, right? Yes. Jamie was going to train the men. Dougal would show up. And did, I think we played around with the Dougal story a couple of times. Was it always that he shows up and got demoted? Well, it wasn't that he was demoted. It was that he was going to have to adjust his expectations. Right. Dougal's always been a leader of men, a chieftain. And in this, in this story, in his story going forward, he has to kind of uh, kowtow to Jamie, who is now the leader uh, of his own clan and um, uh, the iterations of how much and how much battle between the two that's what went we back played. and forth that's what we kept playing yeah we played that quite a bit uh, a bitch <laughs> quite a bit and it was a tough it was tough to get it right you know yeah. to, to go how much would you know there, there are normal debates in the room is you know, how much Dougal would take, how much Jamie would push, you know, all those things. I'm trying to remember in the book, how does Dougal rejoin the story and where? Dougal rejoins later. It's later. later. We, we adjusted a, a, quite a bit of the, the timeline where things happened. 208 was, was quite a departure because that happens much later right, in the book. That was a whole different section. That whole different section of the book. So in, in doing so, we, we stay true to history, though, believe it or not, is because they do come through this pass, and then they, they moved on to Perth, where they'll go first, and then they go into Edinburgh before they go in to uh, Prestopans, which we, we keep, keep track of. And this would be the early f or late summer of, uh, if you have summer in Scotland, this would be the late summer of uh, 45. Um, to give a timeline because they spend we figured they spent approximately a month here training before they move to Prestopans uh, where the end of this episode is literally the day before Prestopans so
Now, we can't call it out shot by shot, but all through this episode, there's various places where we've digitally expanded uh, the size of the encampment and the number of, of extras and soldiers. Like, I think some of those tents in the deep background there we've added in visual effects. We've also doubled up on, <clears throat> you'll see Highlanders walking in the background of these shots. Sometimes those are digitally, it's called tiling, where you take, you shoot a group of extras and then you multiply them through the backgrounds. Because even though we had, this was a, a big production for us and a big uh, number of extras, we still couldn't fill this enormous space yeah. without the digital help. And that, that's always the challenge, is filling the space. And I think art department always does a really nice job. And, and, and costume as well, because we, we dress everybody all the way out. You know, we don't, we don't fake it just because they're three layers back. Right. You know, they're fully dressed. We can move them around anywhere we want. This was, uh, this was me channeling uh, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> Full Metal One Jacket. of my favorite scenes of all time in any movie. And Duncan fully embraced it. Yep. I just like the fact that we took some time to say, okay, why do the why do you teach the guys to march at all? What's the point of ha of teaching Highlanders how to fight like British redcoats? And when you know, there's this sort of myth that's grown up, especially in America, that you know we beat the British and the American Revolution because we hid behind trees and you know we fought like Indians and the redcoats just got mowed down. And you think, oh God, they're idiots because they just marched in straight lines, and that's how George Washington beat them. But of course, it's not true at all. Yeah. So it's nice to have an opportunity to sort of we'll say actually there was a reason why they, they marched and there's a reason why they did those things and it wasn't just all all silliness and pomp and circumstance. Well, and and, and <clears throat> they utilized the weapons they had, you know, and, and as we know the the muskets weren't very accurate, but when you throw out a wall of musket balls, you tend to hit something. Yes. And that's what the British knew and they knew well, and that's what Jamie knows, and that's why he wants to retrain these guys. We're seeing little flashbacks here of, uh, this is the departure from the book. Yes. Is that, um, well, I'll say it's, it's not implied. quite, a, it, it's, it's, it's implied. It's not contradictory. The, it doesn't right. contradict the book. No. Certainly. It tells Claire's story <laughs> that wasn't told in these first two books, and we just decided to tell it. And when we were in the room... We were discussing, um, we didn't want to see Claire preparing for battle because, one, that would be in, in the next episode, but we've also seen her, you know, fold bandages and yeah. get things ready. The thing that we, we really wanted to see is how, this is a war, they're going to go to war, we want to see how, how that... World War II affected Claire. Yeah, what was her story in this episode? Jamie's, Jamie's story is clear. He has men to train and he has a conflict with Dougal. What's Claire's, what's Claire's story about? If it's just her prepping for battle, there's not really a character tale there. So we started kicking around the idea of, well, a version of PTSD for Claire, yeah. which they didn't even have a name for in her exactly. era. She wouldn't really know what it was and no one really put that word on it, that, that phrase on it yet. And okay, how would that manifest itself? And oh, maybe as she watches Jamie preparing his men for battle, she starts remembering other young men that she saw before a battle. Exactly. And then oh, well, what's the secret at the heart of that? Oh, there has to be a character thing. There has to be something that Claire is repressed, or she doesn't want to think about that gives her a certain you know uh, dramatic arc. And, and what we'll come to at the end of her arc is is that the difference between seeing men die is one thing, but seeing men that you know and love die is a totally different thing yeah, and to her, deal with. And being helpless and not yes. being able to, to affect that change. More pressing concerns are worrying about securing a seat at the prince's table. 
I love how Jamie here in in these scenes, he's trying to placate his his uncle without without putting him down, mm -hmm. without pissing on his position. But he knows he's overstepping. But uh, I think I think France has taught Jamie um, how to be uh, diplomatic in a lot of ways. This was a, a nugget that I'd always wanted to throw into a script somewhere. Is we know she heard Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. We just didn't know where. Yeah. So I did a few liberties here to, to put it in. Diana, we, I think, is okay with it. Well, she um, said in the book, she definitely said in the book that Clara had heard it from an American soldier. Mm -hmm. So it was just sort of saying, oh, okay, who's that American soldier? Who's that soldier? soldier? These guys were great. I actually, this was one of the few times I was on the location when they were shooting. I saw them shoot this scene. Yeah, you were there. That the day, day yeah. is so windy. It was almost, it was the night before, I think it had blown down some yeah. tents or something. Yeah, we did lose some. It's a miracle the sound is as good as it is. You can just look at it. You can see in the background, there's just constant wind blowing out there. Yeah, it was the same. I think we filmed the baseball scene earlier, the, the yeah. little baseball uh, flashback. We don't know a lot, as I recall. Uh, the books don't tell us exactly where Claire went in her in her service in World War II. It's kind of vague. Yeah. So I remember in the production meeting saying it could be anywhere. You know, we didn't have to be tied into a particular place because I mean, the truth of World War II is if Claire joined as early as she did, yeah. and went out with the British Army, she could have been with the you know with the army in North Africa. She could have been there in Sicily. She could have been in Italy. She we're kind of playing. We've settled on playing it as. She's somewhere in France, France. after D-Day yeah. for this section of the story. So this is presumably, you know, the, this is he's, she's with Montgomery's army and they're in you know, northern France and the Low Countries, and this is yeah. sometime in the summer of 1944. Yeah, we 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 there, there's a mention of some place and, and we slug lined it wherever the slug wherever they mention in the book, but we never actually say it in dialogue. So we do play it's just yeah. somewhere in France after D-Day. In fact, there was a. What's the place that in season one, she's going to meet rel her relative. Her her cover oh, story uh, is uh, Compion. Compion. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe she maybe was in Compion, but yeah. it didn't. It's like it actually didn't work out in terms of where the British actually were. This this scene, I I, I like this scene, um, because I like when when Jamie and Claire kind of understand that. Like, most, like couples that have been around each other for a long time, or you know, or even just get each other, understand when people aren't feeling, you know, there's something wrong. They just don't know what it is. Yeah. He can't put his finger on it, and but he knows. He knows, and, it, and it's a good guess. It is. It's like, hey, this this upcoming war, it's got to be bothering you, Claire. Yeah. He's just wrong about what war she's upset about. Exactly. Yeah. See, and, and like all husbands, I'm not one, but like all husbands know, or boyfriends, uh, when a woman says she's fine, that's not the truth. No. 
And you should usually walk away. Walk right away. There. And Jamie's smart enough He's to smart turn enough. his back and walk He's away. Like, okay, I should stop this conversation now. Yes. We talked, yeah, I remember we talked about Full Metal Jacket. We talked about Glory. Too. Glory. Glory was another, another the brilliant training, movie. Training episode, the training scenes in that film. The, the, if, you, if, if you, anybody goes back and watches Glory or Full Metal Jacket, both, both those movies, the majority of the movies are the training. Yeah. It's the most important yeah. part of those movies. And bonding these characters together. Yeah, making them soldiers. Another great... Uh, War, war story. Well, I mean, not great, but you know, I mean, in the sense of there is no great war. But um, a story well told is Band of Brothers, and they spent a lot of time on their training oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. So. This was. I love this speech. I love Jamie. Yeah. I love Sam here. This is one of those key moments where you see the character take the next step. You yeah. Know, you've seen him go all the way from the stable boy to the husband, to the politician, to the, the warrior, and now the leader of men. You yeah. know? And it's like you always knew that men liked to f looked up to Jamie and would follow him, but now he, can he command an army? Can he command the loyalty of men in a desperate fight? And this is that moment. I think Sam does a really great job with this. He, I think he does uh, as well. I think that the nice thing that he does is he draws the men with his, his sly sense of humor, at the beginning of the of the speech, mm -hmm. and he he gets their attention with that, and then he turns it on him, yeah. and says, "I know you think this isn't this isn't serious, yeah. but it is. But it is. And I've seen it. And at the end of this, I would follow him into battle. Yeah. That's the key to it. Is would you follow Jamie Fraser into battle? And the answer is absolutely yes. It doesn't hurt that he's wearing a badass leather jacket. Yeah, he's looking too. pretty badass. <laughs> it was a fearsome thing, these volleys of musket yeah. balls. I mean, the brown vest, the, the musket at the time that the British used, wasn't a particularly accurate weapon. It didn't have a rifled barrel, so it was a smoothbore musket that, you know, was fairly inaccurate beyond a certain range. But if you line them all up together, and fired them all at once, you had like a, a sheet of steel going across a battlefield, and you didn't want to stand in front of that. And the British Army was a fearsome, fearsome military force in these days. Well, that was one thing you had always spoke, you know, spoke of early on to all the writers, and you, you said, um, and I remember it was, the British Army didn't rule over the most of the known world and, and were dumb. Yeah, you know, you you would never allow us to have stupid characters, no, because it, they just weren't. They weren't. And and this was this was uh, uh, we went round and round about this one. I love that Jamie yells at them to stand. Uh, the costuming on this was always a, a fun issue. We had meetings and meetings about it. Is they originally it was originally scripted they come out naked because that's the way they would do it they would have fought um, they draw in battle they actually dropped their kilts everything and ran you know without them because the kilts kind of impeded their movement they right? did exactly and it also put the fear of god in to be anybody who would fight completely naked must be insane um 
as we decided to, to do just the shirts, but they look like, uh, as Terry said, they look like guys wearing, you know, long johns. So uh, we went with this version, which I think looks great. I mean, it, yeah, it ended up looking really good. But this is, I love this moment here. He, he asks for a word, but he's really demanding a word. They play so well together. They do. They, they really have a great they chemistry. They do. They match up. Uh, I, I would have flipped the blocking on this as I would have had Jamie up, uh, up, up the hill. But we all have our little, little peeves about certain things. Yeah. But um, they are very strong together, aren't they? I mean, They're just really watching them in scenes together. That's this is uh, one of my favorites is that Jamie finally calls Dougal out on you pretending to be a soldier. I have been a soldier. Well, and this goes to the heart of what you were talking about a minute ago. Dougal does not respect his enemy. Dougal thinks of the Redcoats as fops and silly and easily defeated by the heart and soul of of Highlander ferocity. And Jamie's a soldier, and he's seen those those battle lines, and he knows what a British army can really do, yes. and he respects that, and that's the key. And I think that's important for the show because I think ultimately, you know, a lot of times, you know, the redcoats of the era in various productions are just portrayed as silly, yeah. they're foppish, they're yeah. they're aristocratic, and they hold up their nose and they act in certain ways, exactly. and they're straw men that you can knock down. And the truth was. They were kind of scary, you know, scary opponents you didn't really want to face on a field of battle. Uh, this scene was, uh, uh, I agree with that 100%, and I think we, we did that nicely in episode six of last year yeah. where, where we turned uh, who uh, Lord Thomas could have been exactly. that five, but there was turns where you go, oh, he's yeah, smarter he had than teeth. Yeah, like, wait a minute. Uh, this is a callback to episode 14 where they had their bargain in the cave, mm-hmm. and... Um, we discussed in the room that we had to call back. It would be odd that they would never have yeah, a conversation yeah. about it. And uh, it also shows that Dougal's a manipulator. Yep. He's a schemer. He's always got the next plan out there. Well, and you definitely wanted to have another Claire Dougal scene because they were great together. They this were. scene floated around a bit. And this is not where it was actually scripted or shot because this scene, there's a sequence coming up later where Jamie takes the beating, right? And as scripted and as shot, Dougal administered the beating. He, as shot, he administers it. We did end up cutting that. And we ended up cutting yes. it. But this was going to take place after that scene yeah. originally. That's how it was scripted. But in the cut, it felt odd. Like it, it's always interesting when you write something on the page and then you see it. It affects you. It's really you're doing. Someone told me a long time ago. You do your second draft of the script in the editing room. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Because when you watched it, this scene felt out of place where we had it, even though it felt right in the script. So then in editing, we kept moving this around. This came, scene kept floating and where floating we, different actually spots. Actually, it was, it was, we, we kept talking about where does it fit in Claire's story? Yeah, where does it fit in Claire's, Claire's story? Because this is a Claire scene, really. Yes. And this felt like the best spot for yeah. it. And fortunately, it's the nature. The nature of this show is that she's wearing the same outfit and he's wearing the same outfit, and it's the same. It's still a daylight scene, so we could actually kind of mix and match it a bit. And it affects her story differently because where it used to be, 
after the beating, Claire's story had already ended. She had already made the turn. She had already realized. She had already gone through the whole memory sequence of her PTSD and decided to stay with them. And it had a different meaning then than it does now. Now it's at the beginning of her story, and she yeah, hasn't had that revelation it, yet. I, I think uh, well, in, the, in the script, it's closer to here. And we flipped it in post, the first cut, farther down. Yeah. And then we moved it up a little bit. And then we moved it up a little bit. Yeah, and kept, we, we kept yeah. moving it. And then found this And then this found the this spot. Point. Now, even though uh, we, have, we went around and around, Dougal wouldn't know what the word meant yeah. because he hadn't heard it a lot. Yeah. He got the tone. He got it. Yeah. It was clear enough in yeah. context. I do. I do love and, it, and the thing is, is Dougal's an educated man. He knows what narcissism He knows narcissists. He knows the story. And that's why it, it felt, uh, for me, it felt right for him to hear it. Yeah. He was like, I understand what you're saying, Missy, but let me point this out to you. We weren't going to let Dougal walk away um, with his tail between his yeah, legs. Yeah, he couldn't be chastened. Yeah. So they both, the, 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 the turn for both of them are... Um, I always also imagine, because we never show it, but I imagine Claire, because they do share things, would have said to Jamie, hey, by the way, to get you out of Wentworth, I made this bargain... I would never have gone through with it, but and he would have laughed. Yeah. It. Like, yeah. No, good deal. Yeah, that was smart. Of course I would. Have. I love uh, just a side note on uh, the the score of this episode. I think is one of our best. I love the men's chorus, which I think, if my memory serves correct, came out of a discussion with Bear and I about. I think I said something about the Red Army chorus. In some other piece, I think oh, that wow. I, I think we we're talking about Hunt for Red October. Yes, said something about yes when they sing in they, they yes. sing in yes. Red October, yes. and I think Bear went oh, and I think it sparked something, and then he brought in this men's chorus, which no, is I, wonderful. I, I, I loved it. Uh, it it really ties the and it, it, it takes the the training from this generic training to something elevated. Yeah, it's a good example of the way the score can enhance and elevate the story, and I think one of one of one of Bear's great gifts is that. I think he scores the show in a way that brings out a lot of other colors without distracting you. Like, I'm never watching the show or any of Bear's shows and suddenly find myself going, oh, wow, that's an interesting musical thing, and yeah. taking me out of the scene, yeah. just listening to the melody. He knows how to, like, make it enhance what you're doing or sometimes bring in a different color, yeah. but it never takes you out of the show. Well, th I think that's the... The thing we were talking about this when we were doing the playback for two thirteen is is that's exactly it is if it's almost like if you hear the music, it's doing something wrong. Yeah, you should feel the music. You should feel the music, and and I think that's Bear's goal is you always should feel the music. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of like visual effect. It is. If you're aware of the visual effect, then it's not a good one. Yeah. Trench foot can lead to gangrene, which can lead to I've seen it happen. I'm trying to remember, this, was this Ira's idea? We were hunt, weren't we hunting for something that would be a problem in the 18th century and also a problem in World War II? Where did we, this come from? No, 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 this came from, from, uh, uh, I did it with the, with the trench foot because of, of, uh, the EMT background, so I was, Oh, like, this, this came is, from yeah, you, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we wanted to tie it in because one of the biggest causes of, of, uh, Military men 
going, you know, getting sent off the lines was their feet. Yeah. They had to protect their feet. And Claire would, would have known that. And um, the Highlanders would never even thought about yeah. it. So we wanted to kind of tie that together. And this was actually your idea to do the little flashes that. Oh, yeah. The flashes that he's there, he's not there. And we actually filmed it. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily show up, but we filmed it where we, we put, put uh, the GI in this spot. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it, use it in the cut, but it, he was there. Yeah, he was it, there. Was, yeah. And I like that. I like that she's having trouble here. She's that we just didn't kind of wash over the fact that she was went through a world war. Yeah. Where millions died, and it wouldn't have affected her because we see people nowadays coming back with PTSD from the battles in Afghanistan and Iraq and all the places that they go now. And, and they're affected deeply, and their families are affected. So, so she this is the way I, I, you know, we wanted to kind of play homage to that. Yeah, you need to way. acknowledge the, the reality of that, that it affects people deeply after, long after the battle is over. And even for the people that weren't in the battle but dealt with the trauma exactly. of the aftermath of the battle, like and Claire. My brother, who, who's a firefighter paramedic and who's been doing it for many, many, many years, you know, you have to have a constitution that's built up to where you can you can put that aside and still live a daily life. You know, whether police officer, firefighter, or soldier, you know, you're dealing with battles all the time. So Claire, as a trauma nurse, would have had to have dealt with it, I think. You know, she would have had to have, she saw so much. Is it the kind of thing you know on day one whether you can do this or not? I, I, I wasn't, to me, it took me four years to figure out this isn't my bill. But you did it for four years. Yeah, I did. I think that, that yes, there were a lot of people that, that like got weeded out very first. Yes, very quickly. And you could just see it in their face. It's that doe-eyed look, that thousand-eyed stare. And you go, this was your first, this was your first call. It's going to get worse. Yeah. And this is, might not be for you. Yeah. And I think, I think probably going into battle, it's probably very similar where they where you find out, God, I don't want this guy next to me, yeah. you know, where this is not going to, this is not going to be good. And I think that line right there tells the difference between Dougal and Jamie. Mm-hmm. Jamie's concerned with what happens afterwards. Yeah. And Dougal's just about yeah. the now. That's a smarter strategy. You want them to live. You want them to fight the next battle. Yes. You don't want them to die. Yes. I'm trying to remember, did we ever... I have a vague memory of us actually following Dougal into the village and watching him recruit these guys at one point. We, we talked about doing we it, talked but we, about we, it. We, we never... We never actually did. We didn't write that version. No, right? we we, de- we broke it in the room. We wanted to see him do it, um, where he would have gone to the village and re- and basically Shanghai these guys. Shanghai them, exact great word. Um, I love that word, Shanghai. Speaking of, that might happen. I don't know in season three. You never know. <laughs> you never stay know. Stay tuned. Stay. Uh, our fans won't stay tuned. They drift off our fans. That's right. <laughs> And I think that's the heart of Jamie, being flogged, you know, 
200 times. It's like, we want you to think like us. So he, he can speak to this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force someone to believe something. Yeah, because you can't. Exactly. They either believe it or they don't. Exactly. Now this is a location, right? Yes. So once again, these are all these outbuildings that we were able to use um, and go in and out of repeatedly. Weather, weather permitting um, and daylight permitting. Is it in fact? Oh, wait, wait, wait. no, no. Is Sorry. this interior? This is actually interior stage. It, it is. is. Okay. It is because we added the tree. Um, yeah, Gary built, uh, uh, and the art department built a really good location. This is the same place where they'll bring John Gray later. I mean, it's it's a, a testament to the fact that you can't tell the difference. Well, even <laughs> even going, we when we watch is is like, oh wait, is this the location? Yeah. Or is that? And you know, uh, the art department does that. They do that so often that it, it's remember that old uh, what was it? Um, is it live or memory? Live or memorex? Yes. Yeah. It, that's Gary. Yeah. Is it is. Is, it, is it real? Now this is a, a scene that wasn't originally scripted in the writer's draft. And after reading uh, reading the draft, we all agreed we should see this to know what's coming. Yeah. To set it up. Yeah. And I think it's in, I think it's really interesting in sort of the overall of the show that, you know, a big chunk of season one is all about Jamie being flogged and the brutality of that and the brutality of the time. And so when our hero, who's endured that himself orders that as punishment for his men it tells you a lot about the times that they live in and even his perspective on his own beatings and what was the, the line and that they're in Jamie's mind there are legitimate beatings and there are illegitimate beatings right. and I, I think for Jamie and for me when I, when I uh, deal with his character it's always he's coming at it from the righteous place is that there's yeah. a reason we're Absolutely. doing this I'm not just doing it gratuitously no. Just to punish you. This is not sadism. This is a lesson learned. You need to learn a lesson here. Yes. And sometimes there's a line from, from season one where he says, knowing it and understanding it are two different things. Two different things, things. yes. Again, I love Katrina and this whole little section. And I, I like that Jamie's paying attention. Yep. He's like, the one thing that's more important than anything in this world is his wife. And he he had to acknowledge that. You were here. I was here for this. You were too, here for man. this. This was we, this one long day I was on the set. Yeah. This was fun. It was fun. We did uh, second unit shoot. We're yep. blowing things up. By the way, when, when Ron sees blowing things up on the call sheet he's going to definitely show up that <laughs> yeah. day it's like oh we're blowing things we're blowing shit up today I think I'll go to the set yeah by the way all that was practical we used real squibs and real yeah. explosions it was our special effects team which is different than the visual effects team are, are brilliant they do a really really good job and this is just, you know, this is not the Battle of the Bulge. This is just some minor skirmish. This is just a moment 
when the Germans advanced and they got caught on the wrong side for you know for a night, which is stuff that happened all the time. I mean, all the time. Just little, it's little things that happen along the battlefront, not the major battles. And you know, life and death and you know tragedies happen all all through the war. That's a real uh, Amtrak that. David Brown, I remember when we were in the production yeah. meeting, we were talking about, well, I'd like some German uniforms and this and that. And David Brown piped up and said, I can get you a tank. Yeah. And we said, sold. And he was like, really, a tank? And yeah. he's like, oh, yes, no problem at all. I think David actually wanted to, to, to be one of the, the... I think he wanted to be one of the... One of the soldiers. And we're like, I don't yeah, know. Maybe Yeah, there was talk of, like, I remember at one point, somebody said, and you can drive the tank, Ron, if you want. And I was like, really? And of course I can't drive the tank. No one will let you. But you were tempted. I was tempted. That's I, mean, I can drive the tank? Yeah. How cool would that be? There are certain perks that come along with the job, <laughs> and driving tanks would be one of them. I love this little story. I just love that our heroine can't get out of the ditch, that he's dying out there, he's crying, he needs help, she's the nurse. But she'll die if she does it, and the smart move is not to do it. And the thing is, is this, isn't, this isn't a grown woman. This is a 19, 20-year-old yeah, woman. This is a very young woman. Yeah. The transition for this was, I think, really important. How are you going down here all alone? Are you okay? That I love that. That little that beat. That little beat. Yeah. There was a version of this moment I remember we talking about in the writer's room where Claire would have actually left yes. and started heading back to Lollybrook. Yeah. And then there was, I can't remember what made her turn back. There was something that happened to her on the road or she had an epiphany on the road and then she was going to turn back, right? She, we, we had talked, it, was, it wasn't even uh, boarded. We just talked about it. We just talked about it. Yeah. We do, you know, that's the thing about, um, if we shot everything we talked about, we would still be shooting season, we'd, <laughs> yes. we'd still be shooting the first episode yeah, first of season, season one. That's right. Um, but that's what we do. We 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 talk things out, and, and that's what's so great about the, the the writers' room process. That's how I. You know, it's interesting when I watch the show, and it's like that through a lot of shows. Even like Battlestar or Trek, to some extent, as my memory fades. When I watch episodes I've worked on, whether I wrote them or not, a lot of me as I'm watching is remembering alternate paths yeah. that were discussed. And so there's this sort of missing limb quality yeah. to the show when I watch it. You're sort of constantly aware of all the roads that were not traveled yes. and all the possibilities. And they kind of inform my viewing of the show, which is, then makes it so fundamentally different than the audience's you know, view it, of the show. It's, it's true. I mean, and I think what we do is we, we, we present a, a story or a path and we throw rocks at it continually just throw rocks at it until we go this is this is the path we should go yeah. you know and, and and as you always say the best idea should win you know yeah and the best idea was not that her going down the road yeah, exactly and then decide to turn back because it was sort of a big like well that was about nothing well that was about nothing because this is the moment this is the is moment the where where she's with 
Jamie and they make the decision together in a, in a way. Yeah, so hopefully the process of working through the script and the story outline and the writing, uh, writer's room is you find that. You find yeah. all the ideas, oh, well, actually the dramatic high point is here. Yeah. This is really what the focus should be. Because unlike in a book where you have many, many pages, yeah. you only have 60 minutes. And you've got to choose your moments carefully because each moment lands, each moment has meaning to the audience in a different way than it does on the, on the page. And if we had left this scene and she had gotten on a horse and left, now we've got another whole journey. For, it's like you're starting a new story. Then yeah. there has to be a new story, the story of Claire on the road. Yes. And how she makes the decision to, to turn back and then rejoining with Jamie and how Jamie receives that. Suddenly, it's like 10 minutes go by. Exactly. But 10 minutes of screen time, um, just to give everybody a little indication, is for every one day we film, you get about maybe four minutes of screen time. Yeah, maybe. So you're talking 10 minutes, you know, that's almost three days. Yeah, we're going to spend three days of watching her basically do a loop where exactly. she just comes back to where she started. Exactly. And she could just decide to do it in that scene. Well, welcome, Lord John Hello, Gray. Hello, Lord John Gray. So, big moment for book readers. They know who this character is and where yes. he's going. This was key. We had to include this in, in the script because th this is a major character that will carry through in subsequent uh, seasons. And uh, Nine was always going to be that script, and it was it was actually seamlessly working this into the other stories yeah. and having it fit. Yeah. Where um, does this happen? Where does this happen? How does this happen? In, in the book, it happens in a slightly different way. They're, they're outside. Yeah. We had inside quarters. You have to make adjustments accordingly. I, I think a, some of this dialogue is definitely drawn from the book. Oh, right? absolutely. Right. You, you try to, um, absolutely, when it works, you, you use it. Um, the difference here is we had the story of Claire going through PTSD. Right. She, was, she was emotional. She was, and in the book, Jamie takes essentially advantage of Claire and rips her bodice off right. and without her knowledge. And when we and were in the to and pretends her. to ravish her, and when we were in the room, we just couldn't reconcile the fact that Jamie would do that after the scene we yeah. just saw. So the adjustment is that Claire basically consents to it with her eyes, and the fact that these, well, she comes up with it, she in this comes, version. yeah, and and the, the Jamie reads it very quickly, and he takes over, and he takes it to a new level. And I like that Jamie just doesn't, he just doesn't play it. He really plays. He really plays. And he, it. And, he, and he gets actually aggressive with her. And what I like is the interplay between the two of them. Yes. Because as he gets aggressive, she starts really actually jabbing him. Yes. And then he reacts to her. So there's like two, two levels of this going Like, hey, on. I said it was okay, but. No, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. Scottish barbarian. My favorite line <laughs> Scottish barbarian. Where she calls him a pig. That's where Jamie knows. She's like, oh, okay. Which is actually set up pretty well by us in terms of, you know, in 208, yeah. she pretended to, to be the witch thing. So Jamie is starting to get quick to the fact that Claire comes up with these crazy plans in the spur of the moment. And I, I, I one of my, one of the, the points when we were filming was Jamie needs to take this to a new level. 
he knows he needs to take it to a new level. So Gray believes to, it. Yeah, to convince yeah. this kid. And, and Claire didn't consent to that. And, yeah. and that's, that's the part that I like, is that Claire didn't consent to having him really go all out. And that, even that, Holder. <laughs> yeah. And he steals a kiss. Yeah, he steals a kiss. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah, you'll be paying for that. You're going to pay for that. My name is William Gray. Second son, Viscount Melton. And what of the troops you're with? I 200 infantry traveling to Denmark to join General Cope's army. And I warn you, we have heavy armament. 16 carriage mounted cannon, mortars and muskets, company of 30 cavalry. Much obliged for the warning. And where are these men you speak of present? <laughs> it comes from three miles to the west. Take this man in the direction he says the camp lies. If the information he gave us proves true, I'm to a tree one mile from the camp. His friends will find him there tomorrow. If what he told us is not true, then cut his throat. Gladly. I do like that Jamie does give that order. Yeah. <laughs> like he actually will kill this kill this guy if uh, if it's all false. That's he's. I, I really love when we play Jamie as a man of his times. Yeah, that he is a modern thinker, and he does. But when he plays him, when, when when we play him as a man of his time, I'll have to kill this guy. Yeah, and you believe it. You believe he'll do it. Yep, because that is who he is. And even this beat right here is that the, the, in the time that your word was your bond. Yeah. What you said meant everything. It means a very great deal. Yeah. So this is the kind of the callback to that first scene. Yep. Is Jamie saying <clears throat> who who the the guilty needs to be punished? Those men let the boy get through the lines. Kind of continue with this carelessness. And you set up, you know, it's it's a nice setup. You feel like they're going to beat Dougal, and how's he going to take it? Yeah, they we we in the in the in the script, uh, Dougal actually has to do the beating. We adjusted this in the in the cut to give Dougal his moment later. Because it kind of felt like we were doubling up on it. It's yeah. like it was one th it was one thing here when they forced Dougal to then beat Jamie and all the men looked at him and hated him. But then we sort of have almost the equivalent moment coming yeah. up where yeah. Dougal has to stay behind yeah. while they go on the raid. Yeah. And then when you watched them together, you realize it was a double pump. It was it like was, the exact it, it, same thing. It beat. was. It was a double pump. So then we changed this. We just re-edited this so that you never, you never see Dougal have to administer it and that it's implied that it's, that it's Murtaugh. But it also it, it feels right that Jamie's... In a way that he took Leary's punishment yeah. in, in episode two, he's taking Dougal's punishment in this yeah. episode, which is even worse. When it's someone else worse. takes your punishment, yeah, it's, it's even worse. It works really well. Yeah. And, and, and thankfully, Graham played it that way. 
and yeah, so uh, you never actually see Murtaugh. Yeah, you never see who's actually uh, through the the brilliance of editing. Yes, is that uh, you can imagine that it's that it's Murtaugh. And that was a stolen shot from earlier. Yep. Yeah. But this is the real punishment. Is you have to stay behind. Yeah. He has to suck it up. He has to do it. And he has to sort of pretend like he likes it. Which is the key. Yep. Which Dougal actually has to understand. Yeah. And that's his arc. That's the arc. Yeah. And I think Dougal has to accept that because he wants to fight this battle. Yep. And to do so, he can't, he knows he can't just join any other clan. This little scene, uh, we went back and shot some pickup shots to sort of enhance this, to sort of make it a little bit more of a raid. I always think of this in my mind as the Alamo raid, because it reminds me of a sequence in John Wayne's version of the Alamo where they go and they, they sabotage this cannon that the Mexican army was going to uh, batter down the walls of the Alamo with. And so I always think of this as the Alamo scene. You know, uh, what sets this up nicely is episode four, when we take the pins out of yeah. the... the carriage in the original cut we didn't see them burning the wagon wheels no. and then we sort of realized you kind of had to see them burning the wagon wheels to sort yeah. of understand it was in the original the original script yeah the oldest that's right yeah we cut it out because you make these decisions you're like oh we don't need that let's yeah. cut that out for time or I'm money like, oh you're gonna need that and then later it's like oh go back <laughs> and you shot that right you shot yeah. the wagon wheel burning yeah, yeah, on like two feet of set two feet of set I like this little moment where where a, a soldier comes back from from uh, essentially battle with his trophies of war. Yeah. He uses the word commando. <laughs> yeah, commando. Yeah. You went to the British camp. Did you go by yourself? Also, what a soldier would do: you don't tell your wife when you're going <laughs> to go do dangerous stuff. I love that her instinct is: did you go by yourself? Exactly. You're that big of an idiot that you would really do that. Look how proud he is. I, I love know, he's, he's so like proud. so proud of her. In in the book they they're in a tent and they open up he opens up the tent and shows that they're burning. Obviously we're not in a tent so we had to adjust yeah. but yeah. It was my kind of favorite moment when you should get dressed. Not what I expected you to do. <laughs> <laughs> the flip. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's cognizant of the fact that yeah. hey, we just did this thing. <laughs> if we don't leave, we should probably get going. Yeah. About now. As much as I want to have sex here, here's your. Uh, here's we were the, talking about earlier. Yeah. And over this, I mean, it just really it feels just right, doesn't it? It's great. Yeah. It's the exact right piece of score here. I see from the original, the beginning where they were all ragtag group. Yep. Jamie's got them walking in columns. They're moving as a team. Come over this ridge on a glorious Scottish day. By I the way. know. It's like I, I know you hear us talking about it raining all the time. This is not real. No. I mean, it's real, but yeah, we we enhance this significantly. And here. And that's a true leader. Yeah. He doesn't have to take he doesn't take all the credit. He doesn't, he doesn't have, to have to take everything. He gives it to the person though. If he gives it to Dougal, Dougal's loyalty will come back to him yeah. tenfold. And Dougal's submission allows this moment to, exactly. to happen. And then Claire's saying she's ready. Whether she likes it or not, she's Whether ready. Whether she likes it or not. Here we go, on to press the pants. Here we go. It's a great episode. Oh. I think it's a really good good episode. You did a great job with oh, it. Thanks. You know. Yeah, you know, I mean it's a massive team that brings this to uh, to the screen and congratulations to everybody. To everybody. Really it's big and, and as I always say that you know what one sentence in the book is three days shooting yeah, for it's us. It's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of work. So we try to give everybody everything. We know we can't, but we do. But we, we do. do the best we best can. Best we can. Yeah. Well, thank you all for all right. joining us, and we will talk to you again soon for episode two ten. Until right. then, I'm Ron. I'm Matt. And uh, good night and good luck. Yep.